You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. All right, well, good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the sixth season premiere of the Bulldog Hour. I'm Joe Mays, one of your hosts, and unfortunately not with me in person this evening is uh, Justin Raffoff, but he is here with us via phone. Yeah, it's uh, not, <laughs> not great timing this weekend, no. No, that's okay, but we're glad that you uh, are here to join us because uh, I am not alone here tonight in the studio. Um, with me, if I can find the proper angle, there we go, is uh, Wilson alum and uh, Super Bowl champion Chad Henney. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, always great to come back uh, year after year and uh, enjoy it with you guys. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to talking uh, Wilson football here at the beginning, and then we have a lot of questions uh, that we want to talk to you about, um, You know, your, your career, well, your last season since... Uh, uh, we last talked to you, and uh, um, you know, a pretty exciting experience that you had, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago. And uh, I know there's a lot of uh, people that um, want to hear, um, you know, the inside and out of uh, the the Super Bowl week, and and you know, being able to hoist the Lombardi Trophy. So, let's uh, start first. Like I said, this is uh, the Bulldog Hour, so we're going to start a little bit with uh, specifics on the Wilson football team before we dive into our questions with Chad. And if you do have questions for him that you didn't get to us uh, this week, we are still accepting them. You just have to, uh, if you have my number, you can text it to me. If you want to send an email, you can email uh, joe at bulldoghour.com and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see if we can get Chad to answer them for us. And, um, you know, first things first, our next live show is going to be in two months at the end of April. We'll do our spring update um, really focus on the upcoming football season because at that point, um, you know, spring sports will actually be nearing their end. They only have uh, about three or four weeks left, and then uh, we'll sh- shift our focus to the summer. And uh, well, what does 2020 have in store? Now, this is um, right now a little bit unofficial. If you'll notice, there is a game listed for the week of September 18th. Uh, that is week four, or well, week three if you count week zero. I know it's weird. It's the fourth game. So September 18th, right now, there's a possibility that Wilson will be playing at Roman Catholic. That is, again, unofficial. It has not been uh, signed yet, but it is filling in the buy that was penciled in there for the last few months. And yes, you will notice that means it would be four home, six road for the Bulldogs in 2020. And that's just, you know, a byproduct of going to an additional section in the LL League for the next two years, of course, until what is looking more and more likely a merger with the Berks League, forming the Lancaster Lebanon Berks League for the fall of 2022. So we'll get all into that at the in the April show, because at that point, it is expected that the uh, LL League will officially be merging with the Berks League for football only. So we will talk about that in about two months. Again, just a quick look at 2020, our returning starters and contributors from this past season. I have it up on the screen if you're watching. And, um, you know, we look forward to talking about these guys again um, in the coming months. 
Justin, you have anything uh, Joey, to add? Yeah. Yeah, just real quick. If you also look at the 2020 schedule, you'll notice that the scrimmage is different this year. Yes, thank you. For the first you. time in a long time. Right. Um, just uh, about a month or so ago, we found out that Parkland was no longer going to be the scrimmage partner. That was their decision to change the game with us. And quickly, Coach Doms and the team was able to find Phillipsburg, New Jersey, to come down to scrimmage at Gursky this summer, August 22nd. That is uh, the team that normally plays, I believe it's Easton. Uh, I believe in that, uh, that boundary rivalry between New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And uh, they had talked to Coach Doms just like a week or so before Parkland decided to change it up a bit. And Doug reached out. Phillipsburg's on the schedule. And uh, it'll be interesting when we reciprocate next year because of changes with uh, buses. Uh, school buses cannot go across state lines according to Wilson policy now. So uh, I know the team might be walking. I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Well, uh, well, to be fair, if they can take it to the river, it's not that far from there. That's so, true. Um, if we just go right yeah. up to the border. We should be okay. Um, yeah. On uh, Tuesday night, the Tradition Club honored Coach Doms for his uh, signature 152nd win as head coach of the Bulldogs, and that broke John Gersky's longstanding record of 151. The Tradition Club, led by President Barry Aiello, commissioned a art piece by Wilson grad Josh Longberger. Lon- uh, he's at the Tape Crusader on Instagram, and it is a, a wonderful art piece completely made out of duct tape. So it's a really cool thing to see. And actually, the man sitting here with me um, has gotten a piece from Josh before uh, last summer. So uh, you got it at the uh, Red- the Reading Phillies night. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's uh direct replication of myself at Michigan and uh he's done phenomenal work and I'm definitely going to be hitting it up in the next couple of months because I'm sure Joey will show you a couple of the photos that were at the Super Bowl and uh, I definitely want a piece done by him uh for the Super Bowl for me as well so I'll be hitting him up in the next couple of weeks yeah that would be a cool bookend to have with your uh, the, your incredible one that he did of your time at Michigan and then having a Super Bowl champions um, our piece to match uh, sounds like a sounds like a good plan. I'm sure Josh would, uh, would love to be able to do that for you. So uh, congratulations again to Coach Doms, and it was a, a it was a great uh, thing for the Tradition Club. We were able to surprise him, so uh, he he was very thrilled uh, with the piece, and uh, it was a lot of fun. The next Tradition Club meeting is uh, the first Tuesday in March, March third, seven o'clock at Chef Allen. So if you're a member of the Tradition Club or you'd like to join, uh, you can meet us there. Um, one of the other uh, things that we wanted to de- debut tonight, I don't know how many people do or do not know this, so maybe it's a big deal, maybe it's not, I don't know. But the team is switching up the helmets again this year and completely removing the Bulldog this season. Uh, if you recall, last year they used the you know vintage W and football logo on one side, and on the other side had the Bulldog with 75th season inscribed inside it. And um, I talked to Matt Bender um, last month, and he told me that the odds were looking favorable, that they were going to completely scrap the Bulldog and go with a complete throwback to the 70s, 60s, and 70s with the uh, W football on both sides. And I confirmed that with Coach Doms on Tuesday. So if you weren't aware of that, now you know. And uh, I'm sure some of you have a lot to say about that. So um, I I think it looks great. I think it's pretty cool. Um, what about you, Justin? Yeah, I like, I like the look. I like the look, uh, this past season. I thought it was cool. It was, it was something different. And, um, I think, you know, 
like you said, it can rotate every couple of years. I, I like it again uh, this year, taking it one step further. I know you have like some crazy in my mind, crazy ideas, <laughs> you know, of like cool things for helmets, but I think this is a pretty cool step. Um, I think it looks cool. Chad, had you seen the one that they wore last year? I have not, but uh, I mean, I always respect what uh, has come in the past, and if you can do your due diligence in that way, I think the helmet looks pretty cool. Yeah, it's a little, you know, it's not a huge change. It's not like they went to black or gray or a red base. It's just uh, throwing things back, and uh, the Bulldog has been ingrained on the side of the helmet for, in in one way or another, for the last, I think, 42 years or so. It was the late 70s when that was converted and uh, a lot of success came with that, but I think throwing it back was cool. It was it was fun to see it a different on each side last year to commemorate the seventy fifth season. But they decided to go, um, you know, back in time and bring this back, and yeah, I think it's got potential. So we'll see how long it lasts, but that's what it's going to be in twenty twenty. All right, the last thing. Yeah, we, sorry, go ahead, Justin. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I think last year uh, Coach Thomas was working on something for one of the, uh, you know stat things that they kind of give out or that you can get um, that showed like all the different helmets and designs throughout the years. Um, so it's not like it has changed before. It just is changing a little bit right now too. Right. You know what I mean? So yep. it's not like this is the first change ever, you know? So No. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Co- Coach Downs was working on it for the tradition club stats book uh, that he <laughs> helps to, uh, to uh, update each year and he likes to change the cover. And that was the one for this past season. Wasn't a, a look at the way the Wilson helmets have been over the last 75 seasons. So um, yeah, very cool. So the last thing to mention before we dive into our interview with Chad is the Valor bowl is a, well, it's not a new all-star game altogether. It's new for Wilson and Berks County uh, Chester and the Berks coaches have decided to make it a, um, you know, an inter-county all-star game featuring the best seniors uh, from around the two counties. So Wilson will be participating, and five of this year's past seniors will be playing. Adam Venino, Anthony Coper, Avanti Lockhart, Matt Fry, and Nate Keller will get to wear uh, their Wilson helmet one more time. And that game is on a Thursday, May 28th. It's at Downingtown East. So that game uh, will be kicking off on a Thursday evening at Downingtown, and you can uh, go and check out uh, five Bulldogs play uh, one last time representing Wilson. Uh, this means that no Wilson players are participating in the Tri-County game, which um, had been going on for you know the last close to two decades, I think 16, 17, 18 years. Um, no Wilson players will be participating in that. So you can head to Downingtown instead of Mannheim to check out some of your best Wilson football seniors again one last time. So... Not to, not that I want to shove Wilson football stuff out of the way, but um, you know we we definitely want to get to our interview with Chad. He's gracefully joining us again, and um, you know we have a lot to talk about. Um, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna start back at the beginning of this year. We're gonna go back to the summer before we get to the excitement of of the end of the year. Um, you're back in Kansas City uh, for your second year, and. You know, unfortunately, you suffered an injury in the preseason, and not exactly the way you want the you wanted the season to start. But it, take us back to to that moment. Coincidentally, and we'll get more on the 49ers later. It was against San Francisco. Right. Um, it, what? Take us through the moment that it happened. You know, uh, 
did you realize initially that it was a significant injury that you would probably be missing some time? Yeah, I really didn't know. I mean, it was a third down play. Um, we kind of, it was like third and 18. We had a penalty that happened on second or th- second down. And I think that set us back, but uh, went in, tried to find the check down. The check down was uh, chip blocking, didn't get out in time. So kind of just took like a covered sack and um, went down and somebody just fell on my foot. And I felt like a little something go, um, but nothing big. I kind of got up, felt a little uh, unstable, but ran off the field, got to the sideline, did uh, what I normally do, sat on the bench, looked at the, you know, the iPad there or the surface and kind of just looked over and I'm like, man, my foot's kind of getting a little heavy here. So I talked to my quarterback coach. I'm like, I don't know, something's wrong with my ankle or my foot. And uh, he's like, why don't you go get it checked out? So they take the blue tent, put it up. Uh, You know, everything strength-wise was okay. So I was like, okay, it's probably just a sprain. No big deal. Kind of just sat it out. There's only, I don't know how much left time was left in the half, but go to the halftime, get an x-ray. X-rays come back back negative. And um, so I'm like, great. You know, it's just a nice, probably high ankle sprain or just a regular sprain. Uh, I knew something was wrong because, I mean, I could barely walk, but I was still putting pressure on it. They didn't put me in any crushes. Next day, go get an MRI just to make sure everything's okay and get the news that I broke it. And no pretty much, yeah, pretty much every ligament in my uh, ankle was either torn or sprained. So uh, I knew I needed a surgery at that point and definitely disappointing, uh, especially in preseason. You don't want something to happen. And, uh, yeah, so had surgery uh, in Green Bay. Luckily, we played Green Bay, and the specialist uh, was up in Green Bay the next week in the preseason and got that done, got to fly back with the team, and, yeah, so started my process from there. Yeah, it was unfortunate, and it was, I mean, as much as it was a massive shock to you, once the news got out and people started seeing it, um, Kansas City fans were reacting with, what, that, that, it was that severe? Like, people didn't. No, just like you guys didn't right. know. It was a complete shock. And then obviously uh, people found out around here and everyone was incredibly disappointed. Um, and people reacted in, in, in disbelief and disappointment. Um, but, you know, thank thankfully you got to see an excellent specialist. You uh, had your surgery and um, were given the timetable. Now, do they tell you from the get-go when you have to undergo surgery and you're going to be out a while um, if – they're going to designate you for return immediately. Is that something to decide in the future? Like, how did that work this year? Yeah, I think it. Uh, I think they have a couple of weeks to designate when you can return or if you're able to. But um, I pretty, I pretty much went into the surgeon. I said, "Listen, you know, obviously, I have the rest of my life uh, to go on with whatever needs to be done with my ankle. Make sure I'm, you know, good for you know later down the road rather than just this year." And, uh, so he put in a couple screws, we have a plate in there, you know, a couple tight ropes for the sprains and, uh, gave me a timetable. He said about 10 to 12 weeks. So I said, okay, well, there's a couple more weeks left in the season, at least that I can possibly get back. And, um, you know, knowing my personality, I was like, well, I can beat that and get back a little bit earlier. And luckily enough, we had a great staff and, uh, kind of pushed me through it and got back around, week eight when I was able to, because uh, if you're on designated return, which they designated me to, you have eight weeks uh, that you have to sit out until you can come back. So pretty much half the season. And uh, I was able to come back that week. And, you know, obviously we all seen that Patrick Mahomes gets hurt. Uh, I forget what week it was, maybe 
five or six. six. Yeah, somewhere in there. So he gets hurt there, and uh, sadly enough, I would have had my opportunity to play with the team, but uh, still on IR, and I was very close to coming back, and, you know, I got two weeks left and come back, and uh, Matt Moore played that one game, and then uh, whether we would have competed the next week or not, uh, Patrick was healthy, so he came back and played against the Titans, so. Yeah, um, yeah, and then the Chiefs started uh, well this year, four zero. Then suffered a little bit there in the mid or middle of the season or early middle of the season, losing three of the next four. Mahomes was injured in week seven. I just have to look at my notes. But yep. I just look at my notes. Um, <laughs> and uh, he missed the loss versus Grant, Green Bay and the win versus Minnesota, and returning for that Week Ten game against Tennessee. Um, coincidentally, though, that would be the last time you would lose. Yeah, you know, so that was a kind of a kind of a good thing, you know. You don't want to lose a game, but if it means you're going to r- rattle off, what would it be? It like 10, almost ten, 10 in a row, yeah. yeah. So uh, pr- pretty good thing. So um, now I, I have up here, you know, one of the reporters saying about how you had the the issue and we're going to need a surgery and everything. And I, you know, I have a Chiefs fan here. I'm responding uh, that they they didn't like that news. <laughs> Um, it wasn't the only one as I was looking uh, through, um, you know, trying to update everyone with uh, what was going on back here um, in the West Lawn area with what's happening with your career at Kansas City. And during my search, I, I noticed that there was a little bit of a, a grassroots campaign going on um, that Justin says he saw this past summer. And I'm a little mad at him that he didn't let me know about it. But I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so there's this uh, account and this this hashtag um, called uh, Henny for Starter, which is a, a unique thing to find. Um, I, I just, it's very interesting. I thought it was awesome, obviously. Um, but there was actually an interview done, and uh, supposedly you met the guys and you gave them some autographs, and uh, they've got um, t shirts and, and stickers, and, uh, you know, um, what, 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 what do you make of, of this, uh, attention that you, that you, this small group of fans has for you out in Kansas city? Yeah. I mean, they came out to one of our training camp practices and, uh, I recognized them sitting up on the Hill and, uh, one of our PR people come to me at, uh, end of practice and said, Hey, did you notice the people up there with uh Henny for starter t-shirts? And I said, yeah, I actually did. Cause we do like a couple uh, quarterback drills at the end and they were right there. And I was like, I wonder what what they're implementing. Like, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the league. Why the hell would they want me to be the start of the Kansas City Chiefs? But uh, it kind of goes deeper than that. I think they just meant, you know, me being a starter somewhere at some point is their kind of whole philosophy. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate them kind of just valuing me as a player and, uh, you know, kind of just putting my name out there to possibly be a starter or once was a starter and uh, just showing me the respect that way. Yeah. It, I mean, it was a, it was a really great account, which I, once I found them on, on Instagram and immediately struck out, um, you know, conversations with them and a little bit of a rapport and um, they helped me um, get some of the stickers and uh, it's a, it's a, it's a cool thing to have. Uh, and that was one, you know, there's people on there talking a bit like, you have Pat, you know, they, you have Patrick Mahomes, what's going on? And they're like, this isn't just about starting quarterback of the Chiefs. This is kind of a bigger thing. And they also, multiple times in response to comments, they're like, he's a good guy. Like, that's got to make you feel good. Too. Yeah. I mean, I try to, you know, carry myself the right way, but I appreciate that people recognize other than just, you know, me just being a backup or just a NFL quarterback. You know, I have other traits as well. Yeah. 
And I do like their uh, their Photoshop picture here that they posted of Mahomes at the parade. Uh, I, I, I wish that was was real. That would have been an incredible <laughs> PR for that. Um, but that that one made me laugh. I thought that was that was absolutely excellent. Uh, great job by them. Um, and it's a fun account again. Henny for starter on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I saw that. I was like, I gotta ask Chad when I see him the next time. So um, that's uh, that was excellent. And now you we mentioned that you came back. Um, you know, was a week. Was it week ten? Somewhere yeah. around, right around there. Yeah. Um, you know, back on the active roster, and you'd stay there the, the rest of the season. And uh, Chiefs used the, the three of you. You kept you three of you on the active roster, so they're confident. Obviously, Mahomes, Moore, and yourself. The three of you um, finishing out the year. The Chiefs doing spectacular. Um, how about those playoff games? Those were interesting to watch from home. I can't even imagine what it was like for you leading up to the games and then experiencing them. Um, so th- we start with the first one, you know, you are, well, actually I can't skip over this. You guys earned the buy, obviously with your incredible work during the year, then my dolphins, your former team go to new England and upset the Patriots and g- get you guys bumped up to a buy. Did, how did you guys react in the locker room? Cause I've heard how the fans reacted. That was an awesome video. What were you guys thinking after you heard uh, that New England had lost in Week 17. Yeah, I mean, I think our fans in Kansas City, once they started chanting like Dolphins uh, <laughs> in the stadium, we're all like, "What the heck are they talking about?" And we were kind of following the game. We were up in the game against the Chargers, and obviously they showed the scores throughout the scoreboard. But uh, once we saw it, uh, I mean, we were so pumped. I mean, to get home field advantage, uh, one thing. I mean, obviously we weren't the first seed, but to get that two seed and get the buy and kind of get our guys a little rest for that extra week, uh, we felt was definitely beneficial for us to leading up to the playoffs. Um, and then obviously, you know, how the playoff games, you know, go, as you said before, you know, we play the Houston Texans first round and, uh, you know, you go down 24 points in the first quarter and, you know, you're kind of shocked. I mean, we knew they were a great team. They beat us actually earlier in the season. Um, and to get their best shot uh, right off the bat, we were like, wow, they really shocked us and kind of just opened our eyes up that, all right, well, we need to get this thing turned around. And luckily, we have great leadership uh, throughout and uh, kind of just did one play at a time, uh, got a score, and then we kind of just built momentum off of those scores and off our leadership and uh, really got it going in, in that game. And, you know, it turns out to be a, a blowout at the end, but um Never would have thought the game would have turned out that way as it started. Yeah, yeah like you, you mentioned it, you know, you, the team goes down 24 to nothing. And I, I'm i sitting there in disbelief watching the game. It's like that uh, complete shock. You know, I think I even tweeted out. I was like, well, here you got Bill O'Brien against uh, um, Tennessee. I can't think of his name. The Mike Grable, yeah, the yeah, two in New England. Two New England, you know, disciples. Yep. It's like, oh, just what I want. You know, sort of <laughs> here for the next week, everyone's going to focus on New England when they're not even going to be a part of this game. And then, you know, uh, incredible, incredible Chiefs comeback. It was there. Now, obviously, the, the majority of the comebacks ended in the first half. That's when you guys took the lead and everything. So what was the feeling like in the locker room against uh, against the Texans? Um did you just feel like it was a bad, you know, first quarter plus that now you were 
um, playing the way you really should be playing? Like, what was what was the sense? What was the uh, talk um, from the leaders and, and Coach Reed? Well, I think we we're just hurting ourselves uh, right off the bat. Uh, it wasn't the play calling, wasn't anything like that. We were just not connecting in all cylinders. Whether you know we miss a pass here or you know get a penalty to start uh, some of the drives that were just putting us in negative positions. And, you know, we just, I mean, third downs, we were awful, uh, first couple drives. And anytime you're, you know, not great in situations, put yourself behind the chains, uh, you know, teams in the NFL are going to take advantage of that. And especially in the playoffs, when you have really good teams that you're playing against, they capitalize in short fields. And Deshaun Watson was just eating us up. And, but, you know, like I said before, the leadership kind of took over. Uh, we started hitting the the simple plays that we should have been hitting earlier on, and we just kind of built momentum off of that, and you know started putting up some points. Yeah, and um, you, like you said, it ended up not really being that close. And when all was said and done, it was a fifty-one to thirty-one victory. Um, did you see the viral thing that went around of a fan that decided to leave because he was the bad <laughs> yes, luck charm? That I, was I just said. that was excellent. That was very good. Um, a lot of fun. And now I didn't I didn't see a follow up from him the next week, but the similar thing was happening again. It was a slow start against the Titans, uh, but again a comeback victory, thirty five to twenty four against Tennessee. And um, you know it had to feel good for the third straight year being on a team in the AFC Championship to finally get that breakthrough, know you were going to the Super Bowl. But, you know, just like the previous two seasons, there was some doubt there at the beginning. We're thinking, oh, here we go again, you know, this close to, you know, the ultimate goal of all professional football players, and it's going to be taken away. But, um, you know, what were you thinking in the AFC Championship this season, you know, watching um, as the backup, knowing that, you know, I'm super close and it's just it's just within reach. Can Can we finish the job? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely difficult. I mean, you prepare so much uh, throughout the weeks, and uh, to get to that point, uh, you just really need to just take a step back and just go back to your fundamentals and uh, just believe in what you've been doing all along. You don't have to play outside the box. You just have to be yourself. And uh, Coach Reed always preached, just let your personality show. And uh, you don't have to be anybody different than you are uh, in the previous weeks in a re- regular game just because it's the AFC Championship and uh, sometimes we did that early on, but we kind of regrouped and uh, really took over in some of those games. And, you know, it's all about shutting down the the best thing that the other team does. And our defense did a phenomenal job in some of those games, stopping the run game and uh, really giving us the ball back on offense and letting our uh, skill players take over. Yeah, I mean, coming into the game, Derrick Henry had been on a ridiculous pace and you know, there were all their doubts all season long. Obviously you heard them and knew all about the deficiencies that, you know, the talking heads put out there about your, your defense. And, um, you know, I think it was Frank Clark, you know, he's super confident all the time, but he was right. They, him and his defensive mates backed it up. And Derrick Henry had, you know, he was part of the reason that they had a strong first quarter, but then just like something, you know, a, a flip, a switch got flipped and he didn't do anything the rest of the game. And, the rest is history. You win uh, 
the AFC Championship, first time in 50 years, first time the Hunt family got to raise the Hunt Trophy. Uh, what was it like to be on the field and experience that moment with uh, Coach Reed and, and the Hunts and your teammates? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really you only dream of it. And uh, luckily enough, uh, Brittany and my kids came out, and uh, it's definitely a special moment to have them experience it with me and uh, to have Coach Reed uh, finally get back to that stage. You know, he's I think he was there three three or four times as you know assistant coach and maybe one time as a head coach so um for all the work that he's done all the wins that he's done throughout the years and for him to finally get back to the super bowl and finally getting one uh just an unbelievable unbelievable experience for him and uh us as players yeah and, and you have unique you know obviously random you know kansas city supporters here in the west lawn area but then in the greater philadelphia area big mostly big supporters of andy reed too so it's kind of an interesting uh, merger of chiefs fandom here in south central southeastern pennsylvania um you know uh wanting to see you succeed wanting to see reed succeed and and you know because of the two of you the chiefs in general um so let's focus on Super Bowl week, you know, the stuff leading up to the big game. Um, the first thing that I saw posted by, I think, one of your athletic trainers, and, and you provided the photo then here, was uh, this uh, the Hawaiian shirt picture. Uh, who's, whose idea was that? So it was Patrick Mahomes and uh, Garrick Dieter, uh, one of our uh, receivers on the team. Okay. Uh, they kind of came up with it, and Coach Reed kind of mentioned it throughout uh, the playoffs. He's like, man, we want to get down to Miami, and he's like, I want to wear Tommy Bahama shirts. <laughs> Uh, with the warm weather and uh, we kind of carried that along we kept it in the back of our minds obviously it's one game at a time but uh, once we finally got there we all made the decision we're like all right let's get these shirts and our our fan shop was actually selling them in the stadium oh nice so patrick uh kindly enough got us all some shirts and uh we were grateful to you know have him get them for us and put them on and show respect to Coach Reed and uh, you know get to that warm weather. Yeah, and, and what was his response when he knew? When did he first see you guys? Was that as a group? Yeah, he probably saw us. Uh, I think it was on the uh, the bus. So okay. when we get on the uh, from the facility to the airport, uh, we all travel on the bus. So we kind of all stood up at one point, and uh, that's probably the picture right there. <laughs> and uh, he just smiled. He's obviously wearing uh, his suit, so he was probably pissed off that he didn't have his uh, Tom and Bahama shirt as well. But uh, you know, just show respect to him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought it was great when I saw it bouncing around. I can't. I think it was Jill Wol- Wolber that noticed it first and then as soon as she saw it i was like oh i have to put that out there because i knew everyone would absolutely love it again you and andy reed the combination there can't be anyone out here that was rooting for the 49ers that week so or very few i I know there are a few 49er transplant fans which is funny though because you were 49ers fan you i was because of joe montana Montana, yeah yeah. so so uh, what was it like you know just the coincidence again you know back to the preseason your injury happens as the 49ers and you were a, a 49ers uh, a fan because of Montana growing up, now playing for the team that he finished his career with. It's kind of a, a weird, weird mesh there. Yeah, it's, I mean, all of the signs that came out. I mean, obviously, I was a San Francisco Joe Montana fan. He played in San Francisco, then he goes on to the Chiefs. He goes back to Miami, where I started my career to play in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was just, I mean, it's crazy that it all just kind of came into one and uh, got to experience it all. And, uh, you know, I'm just thankful that it all came about and I could just be a part of it. So um, that week, you know, that's the the picture that we had up was you guys heading to the airport to head down. Um, You guys go down 
about a week or a little more than a week before the game, right? Yeah, we got there Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. So uh, I think, is it Monday or Tuesday is the big like media day? Monday. Monday. Yep. Uh, what was that like? <laughs> Man, so we went to the Marlins uh, baseball facility there. Uh, what is it? Comerica Park? Is or I'm not even sure I what it is, yeah, but their baseball park, uh, which they built, I think, uh, while I was down there at one point. Uh, so media days in there. Uh, you're on a stage. I mean, you got media from all over. I mean, whole United States, Europe, I mean, China, everywhere. So, uh, and they're asking you different questions, uh, whether it's football uh, wise or it could just be why are you wearing those shoes or like. All questions are on the table. Yes. There's no question that you can really turn down. I mean, you can say, no, I don't want to respond to it, but you just have fun with it. And, uh, it was hard for me because I saw familiar uh, people, mm-hmm. but at some times I was like, man, do I remember them from Michigan? Do I remember from Jacksonville, <laughs> yeah. Miami? Like, who am I? But, you know, obviously some of them I knew by name, which was great to see and kind of rekindle that relationship as well. Did you have uh, reporters asking you any questions from this area, like Reading, Philly? Well, Ross Tucker was there, so right, right. Was there. I, I got to uh, speak to him, and we have uh, one of the reporters there as well uh, for Kansas City Chiefs that represent us uh, that went to Muhlenberg. Uh, um, was that Breland? Yes, yes. Breland, okay. yes. So Breland uh, was there. Uh, well, she's always with us, but uh, she asked me a couple questions at the, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday when we had regular media, but um, yeah, they were asking me, you know, back about back home and uh Someone asked me about growing up and Little League football and what some coaches meant to you and how important they are growing up. Yeah. So I mentioned my Van Reed days, which is kind of cool. Uh, you know, Zeppy Winkler and uh, <laughs> I got uh, Carl Dragonette. Dragonette so yeah. I, I mentioned their names as well as uh, that that they would be a part of it and uh, how, how they had an impact on me uh, throughout my career. Excellent. Yeah, and we, we talked about that when you sat down with me for my Wilson football story last year. We we started at the beginning and covered everything. So if you guys haven't watched that, actually, I know a lot of you have watched that. Um, but we can you can relive Chad's, well, most of his early life as a football player in the Wilson program, um, which despite what internet commenters want you to believe, started in third grade, people. Third <laughs> grade. So... How long have you known Breland? You've known her for a while then. Sure. I think she I think she just got on to uh, our staff, I think, this, this year or okay. in the Kansas City area. She might have been living in Kansas City for a while, but this is the first time I actually met her this year. So did you know before the, the interview that, that I got, got a hold of that, that she was from the area from Muhlenberg, or was that the first time that you knew that she was... She she kind of hit me up earlier in the season okay, and told season. me about it. I think uh, it might have been training camp that okay. she mentioned she's from Muhlenberg. She's like, yeah. oh, we're Berks County. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure how old she is, so... Um, um, I don't know that, like if we how were early in her career, she's been right. How often she's been but, around. That was super cool. Yeah. When I, I, again, I have no idea how I found it. I, so I'm sure there was probably someone else that shared it and then I, I grasped onto it. But when she was like, yeah, Burke's County, I was like, I, you're in out in Kansas city. And it was just a huge coincidence again. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome coincidence though. And a great content to put out there. And it was fun to hear you talk about the coaches in the Wilson football program. So, Let's fast forward to to game day now. Uh, you gave me a picture of, of the locker. You know what was it like to walk into a stadium that you were pretty familiar with, but know that it was the uh, 
the biggest moment, the biggest game of uh, of your career to be back where you uh, where you started things in the NFL. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a weird feeling. I mean, not only game day, but obviously practicing at the Dolphins facility. I mean, some nuances were there. Uh, different things were you know renovated and upgraded, but to get back in that locker room and knowing it's the biggest game of your life. Uh, you know, there's so many mixed emotions and um, you know you have butterflies in your stomach you can't wait till the game starts but there's so much nuance that goes into it I mean pre-games longer half times longer uh, everything's longer at the Super Bowl and we were well prepared coach Reed had everything planned out per minute what we were going to do what we were going to do pre-game uh, what we we're going to do at halftime so definitely well prepared in that uh, aspect of it but as a player, you just want to get on the field and just get the game going. Yeah, I yeah, I, it's a it's an incredible experience. You know, can't, we can't even fathom most of us listening here what it's like um, to be participating in a Super Bowl. Um, Justin, I, I know we haven't heard from you in a little bit. One, can you tell us the name of the Marlins Park? Um, no, not off the oh, top of my you head. You let me down, baseball brother. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but did you have anything else to ask Chad about here in the lead up to the Super Bowl? Um, just a couple things. One, um, my my this is more of a statement, but my son wore an uh, a chief colored uh, Hawaiian shirt to school last week and called it his Andy Reid shirt. Um, <laughs> nice. Some of his classmates got it. Some of them are like, "What is he talking about?" <laughs> um, but you know that made me proud. But when when you're preparing for the Super Bowl, I know you said uh, Coach Reed had you like super well prepared. Um, do you like how much of that do you think was the benefit of him having been there before, even though it was a long time ago? Like, do you think that was beneficial? Was he able to kind of use some of that to help guide the team? Yeah, I definitely think he pulled from. I mean, what was it 2004 when he took the Eagles uh, to the Super Bowl? Uh, his schedules stay very similar every every year, even off season, even the regular season. So I guarantee he pulled from that game and made the schedule what he liked, what he didn't like, and um, what he could add on uh, just from other coaches as well uh, for what we prepared for for that week. And, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, more prepared. We knew exactly what we were getting into. We knew what the locker room looked at. We knew what the uh, – the stadium looked like what the field looked like um i mean we halftime we had it literally planned out to the second like what we were doing each each and every time um so we didn't ever have to think back and just be nervous or have to think about what we did or what we need to do we just we just were so prepared in that way and he did just a phenomenal job with that to just take the ease off a lot of the players awesome awesome yeah i I have to kind of like echo a lot of what Joey mentioned before about how a lot of people in the area were definitely pulling for Andy. Um, you know, admittedly it's probably a little easier because the Eagles were able to get one a couple of years ago and it's been a few years. Like if it was the year after he left Philadelphia, that would have stung a little bit, but um, I, I was certainly in that group. I know um, I, I had someone come up to me this week and ask if I could uh, bring this up with you, but they um, back when Andy, left the Eagles when that situation came down, like, you know, people were all over the place. Um, and, and, uh, some people from high school actually made a bet that they put on a napkin and they've held on to that napkin since 2012. And one was convinced that Andy Reid was 
going to win the Super Bowl in Kansas City, and one was convinced he wouldn't. So they uh, they were really really happy, um, and they asked that I bring that up with you. So I said I would do my best to get that on well, <laughs> on, on the show. One side was very happy to see yeah. Andy. Yeah, sure. yeah, um, exactly. And that would be uh, can we can we say their names? Yeah, yeah, you can. Okay, so it was Greg Villardo. And Matt Frazzo, and uh, Matt was on the losing end, said that Andy would would not win a Super Bowl. Um, and so Greg is very happy at the moment, and uh, he's a... Uh, yeah. You know, may or may not be a little bit richer. We'll put it, we'll put it that way. So. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe it's just hypothetical. hypothetical. <laughs> but, and, then, and then the only other thing on that topic is um, to revisit back to before the Super Bowl. Can we revisit our uh, Super Bowl predictions? Now, we're going to move on. We're gonna we're okay, gonna move okay, on. Okay. No, he's trying to get me because I picked the 49ers to win. That was not because I wanted them to win, but obviously Chad knows that. Uh, I just you know we went over it on the show. We talked for a while. Justin, see, Justin's a homer all the time. He he lets his emotions get the best of him. So he always he always picks the Eagles, and then if the Eagles are out of it, you know it's always gonna be something else. It's always anti Dallas, you know. Um, so he, I knew he was going to pick the Chiefs. So I was like, well, we always agree on everything. I'm going to go with the 49ers, even though everything told me, and I addressed this on the show, Justin, <laughs> everything told me that I shouldn't because the Chiefs are the better team. I just, I, I went with San Francisco. and But I said, I hedged my bets because I want Kansas City to win. But if San Francisco wins, I, I looked like a genius because I picked them. You know, well, genius is a little bit, a little bit, uh, so what was your reason why you picked him? I mean, obviously to go against Justin, but why did I pick San Francisco? What what Kansas are City? the facts? So it, <laughs> now I'm gonna have yeah, to go back yep. a month ago to what was I? What no, was you I can paraphrase. You can time? paraphrase. Well, I'm trying to think because now I'm trying to think. I was like, why defensive line rushing it, 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 game. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, it was the 49ers defense, primarily the defensive line against the the Chiefs offensive line. I wasn't sure that they were going to be able to hold them off with the uh, ability to rotate Eric Armstead and obviously Bosa and uh, DeForest Buckner. Mm -hmm. um, And then a couple, and and I said, I was like, other than Richard Sherman, a lot of those secondary and even the linebackers are at least two general um, NFL fans are are no names. They they haven't made a name for themselves. It's Mm -hmm. Richard Sherman, two or three of the defensive linemen and, that's pretty much it. And I said, I, I don't have much faith in the back seven, but that front four or the rotation that they use, I think is troublesome. And we saw it way back, um, you know, right at the beginning of your career. Um, well, the end of your Michigan career. And then the, the early years with you in Miami, when um, Eli Manning and the giants were beating the Patriots, it was always about that defensive line. Yep. Um, they didn't have standout defensive backs. Really. Uh, the ones that were disrupting Brady were sure. the defensive linemen Strahan at, at the beginning. And that was my reasoning behind it. But I also then talked about why I thought I was crazy. Because when I go down the list of Kansas City Chiefs against San Francisco 49ers, I'm like, how do the 49ers defense as a whole stop the likes of Mahomes and Hill? You know, I just started the Kelsey. I'm just like going down the list. I'm like, but something's just telling me looking at statistics and the history of the number one or, or a top defense against a top offense, the defense, defense tends to come right out on win. top. Yep. So that's where I was backing up my choice, even though I wanted the Chiefs to win. And I I was looking at them like, the Chiefs should win this game. Uh, and for a while, I thought it was going to look smart, um, but be disappointing in the outcome. And I'm glad I looked dumb 
and and I'm happy with the outcome. There so. you go. Yeah, we're all, we're all glad for that. Yeah, yeah, we're we're, we're perfectly fine <laughs> with the with the way that went down. So, um, you know, I, mean, we, I just wanted to make sure I I wanted to make sure I got a couple of those points in there. So. Right, right, right. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, being being the good co-host I am. Right. Exactly. Yes. Where are you right now? Why are you not here? <laughs> Topic for a different time. Okay. Um, so. I, another comeback in the Super Bowl, the grandest of stages. You know, it's not good enough to come back in the division round or the conference championship. The team has to do it in the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, what was that fourth quarter like to be on the sidelines experiencing the defense making stops and, and seeing the quarterback, uh, seeing Mahomes drive down the field? And were you just kind of like, yeah, this is, this is to be expected. This is the way we've done things most of the year. Why would it be any different now? Yeah, I mean, we we always believed, and uh, you know, we always said one play at a time. And obviously, with Patrick back there, anything can happen. But you know, your heart's definitely going up and down throughout that game. I mean, you're down ten. You're like, all right, what's going to go on? You know, there's not much time left. We get the ball. It's third and whatever that play was, third and eighteen. We call Wasp that everybody sees yeah. now, and uh, it's just like he makes one of those spectacular plays, and then once he hit it, it was like. I mean, all not that we weren't believing at the time, but it just made you reassure that we're we're back in it and we're going to win this game. And uh, you know, we have some special players, and like I said before, special leadership. And um, from that point on, it was just like we're going to go do it. And our defense stepped up big uh, in those situations, and we just kept pounding it and uh, scoring touchdowns. So um, a lot of fun to be a part of, and I never hugged more men in my life uh, <laughs> throughout that process. And I mean, I couldn't be proud of uh, more proud of my teammates and uh, the coaching staff at that point. Yeah. So, you know, the, the team goes on, you know, your, your lot comes out on top and an incredible fourth quarter performance. And you reach the, you know, the pinnacle of professional football. You're now a member of a team that has earned the Lombardi trophy. What was it like, uh, when you know the clock hit all the zeros and the confetti started to fly, what were you thinking at that moment um, when you knew you had just won the Super Bowl? I mean, I think you just literally you think back when you're a kid, and I think you go through the years and all the hard work that you put in throughout these years, and uh, you start thinking about all the people. I mean, I mentioned it last year that helped me along the way, uh, whether it was you know Van Reed football. Uh, you know, Christ, wrestling coaches, basketball coaches, track coaches, football coaches, all the mentors, all the friendships, uh, my parents, uh, my wife, my kids, my in-laws. I mean, all, all the people uh, that were a part of this, uh, just you think about that and it's just a whirlwind. And then when you get to see your wife and your kids and your family at the end of the game, uh, they come out in the field and you just look at them and you're like, we did it. And we all did it together. It wasn't just me. And there was a lot of people that went into it, uh, for that moment. Yeah. And, and you, uh, th- thank you for providing these pictures. Uh, you know, after, um, the game was over, you know, I had quick had made something, uh, as the fourth quarter was going on, I started making a, a photo to pop up there, but obviously it was nothing related to the Super Bowl. It was a, a picture from one of your earlier games, but, um, I just, at the right time, late at night, p- pulled up social media and saw your mom had posted some pictures and I messaged her. I was like, can I use those? And it's only become the most liked picture I've <laughs> used on any of the Wilson football 
social accounts. Um, so I, I immediately, when you said, you're like, yeah, I'll come on the show again. I was like, well, do you have any pictures? And you gave me some incredible ones, including the ones that I have up there right now, which are awesome. You and the family, you in the locker room, um, awesome, awesome stuff. But I do want to go back to the one that I had just had up because um, I didn't do my sleuthing to figure out who you're celebrating here with. So who's who's to your to your right in this photo? So that's Kyle Shermer. He's uh, one of our quarterbacks on our team. As I'm sure you guys know, his dad, Pat Shermer, uh, was the head coach of the New York Giants. So uh, he's uh, he's a great kid. Uh, he helped us out this year. He's a smart kid, and uh, he's got a bright future. Okay. I figured it was one of the quarterbacks, but I was like, I obviously, I know that's Pat, not Patrick Mahomes, and I was like, I don't think that's Matt Moore. He looks like a younger guy. Yeah. So I, there was a couple guys um, that I could narrow it down to, but I never never checked it out. So I wanted to make sure I asked you uh, who you were celebrating with, because that is an epic picture. Who <laughs> took that? Did you take that? Or you I don't know. Uh, I think one of our photographers took it. Oh, one uh, of your okay. Yeah. Or no, actually, that's uh, that's Kyle's cell phone. Is it? Yeah. So Kyle, it's crazy. Like the practice squad uh, players had to actually sit in the stands because of all the room um, on the sideline for everybody else, which I felt terrible for. I mean, I literally, I was like, this is ridiculous. If there's any way I can like help that he could be on the sideline because he's helped us. I mean, no, no player uh, deserves to be up in the stands, but. So be it. But uh, he came uh, after the game, and he had his phone, and we we definitely got a great picture there. Yeah, that is that is really, when you sent me that one. I was like, that is an awesome <laughs> picture. I mean, you're holding the trophy. You guys are obviously super excited. The confetti's flying. No. Did you pick up any of the confetti? Did you keep any of that? As Chase and Hunter, my kids, were all about it. They were picking it up, and I was like, all right, well, what are we gonna do with this? Like, it's not like we can just take it and stuff it in your pants or do something with it. <laughs> But uh, they might have a couple pieces at home. I'm not sure if they do or not. I know some of them. The some at least the white part of the red, um, yellow, and white had uh, tweets written on it. Did you see any of those? I didn't. I did not see that. Yeah, no. I saw pictures afterwards of people tweeting. Um, you know, one of them was, and maybe, maybe I, I I don't see why would people lie about this, but like I saw multiple people posting um, pictures of the confetti and the white ones having tweets. You know, and they would tag the handle and be like, "This was." used as part of the celebration, you know, because oh, wow. there's all Chiefs fans, yeah. obviously. Um, but one of them were some of the players that have tweeted stuff before. One of them was Mahomes saying what it would feel like to say, I'm going to Disney World. Like okay. he had tweeted that out like eight years ago or something oh, nice. like that. That's pretty cool. Uh, it was just, it was, it was pretty cool to see. Um, so I didn't know if you had, had caught wind of any of that or if you had seen any of that. Um, but yeah, so... Um, there was that that super cool video of uh, Chase doing cartwheels on the. Oh uh, yeah, the, the, that, yep. that was that was fun. So he was definitely uh, living it up, having a great time. Um, what was it like to be able to uh, find your family in the crowd after all was said and done? You know, was it was that difficult to track them down, or were you able to find them pretty quickly? Yeah, because it takes so long. I mean, you kind of sit out there and uh, you're just waiting. You're like, okay. I've seen enough of my teammates, which you should be celebrating with, but now I want to see my family. And sadly enough, they only give you, you know, as many uh, tickets to get on the field as your family. So if you had one significant other uh, and you were just married, it would just be your wife or your girlfriend. And for me, obviously, you know, Brittany and Chase and Hunter, they were the only ones that got to come down. Um, and everybody else that was at the game had to just uh, kind of stand in the stands. So it's a shame that way, but, uh, you know, I got to see the kids and uh, Brittany and, uh, I mean, brought tears in my eyes. I mean, literally, you know, it's so cool to experience this and for them to experience at a age that they can really just appreciate it and uh, be a part of it. it was so cool. Yeah, take it all in. It was, it was very cool to uh, to know that you were celebrating there with, you, with your family and I know you – 
uh, your parents couldn't get onto the field, but I know you got to take some pictures with them as well. And your, your sister was there. You yeah. know, you had a great contingent there cheering you on. Um, absolutely great. A couple more pictures here that you sent along. Uh, another one is that on the plane heading heading back to Kansas that was City? that was heading back. Yeah. And uh, now, what's the story with the belt? So Travis Kelsey uh, got that belt. I'm not sure who. He, I don't know if the WWE actually sent it to him or what, or made it for him, but. Uh, you never know what he's going to do. I mean, you see it on the field, you see it off the field. Uh, he's a character, but uh, we were at a bar, I think, uh, afterwards celebrating with the guys uh, probably Tuesday or Wednesday uh, after our uh, exit meetings, and he brought that out with us, and uh, I thought it was so cool. So I was like, I needed a picture with it. Uh, it obviously has the Chiefs logo on it, and, uh, you know, it's, you're the world champ. So why not have a belt that says you're the world champ yeah. and uh, represent it? I see no fault in that logic at all. So, Justin, do you have anything to ask Chad about the uh, the Super Bowl game or post-game experience or anything like that before we uh, move on? Um, the only thing I would say, like, you know, we, we kind of talked about some of the ups and downs of, of the preseason and season, but having – you kind of mentioned it a little bit um, in, in the, just a couple minutes ago, but does it – have like a special meaning. I mean, I know it's the Super Bowl; it's really special to begin with. But at this point in your career, where you think maybe you you kind of look at it a little differently than you would have maybe in the first year or two. Yeah, I mean, I think you know as you grow and you kind of experience a lot of things. You know, the older you get, everybody says the more wisdom you have, and uh, you definitely appreciate it. Um, just looking back and all the hard work that you uh, put in to get to that point, and you know definitely doesn't come you know every day and for Patrick it's it's crazy that he's so young uh to be in his third year you know last year he's obviously the MVP of the league this year he's Super Bowl champion and MVP of the Super Bowl um you know for my first year in Miami we win the division and then I don't sniff the playoffs until year 10 in Jacksonville uh so nine years later you don't uh even sniff the playoffs uh, you know, we get to the AFC championship and then obviously I get to Kansas city and go to two AFC championships and then finally Super Bowl. But, um, you know, it's, it's not an everyday thing. And, uh, I think everybody could contest to that and, uh, just see that, but there's so much work that goes into it. And you really just think how much work you did put in to get to this point and to that game that if you come back the next year, you just got to do it all again, over again, and you got to do it better because each team gets better and better, and now you're the hunted, and everybody's going to play their best game the next year against you, and it's definitely tough to get back there. Yeah, so, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, you, you say you, you don't want to take it for granted. and you, uh, When you were younger, you know, you mentioned the first year with Miami when uh, when Chad Pennington, when you were learning from, from uh, Chad uh you know, the Dolphins surprised everyone and went from going one in fifth one and fifteen to eleven and five, I think <laughs> it was. And you know, you make the playoffs that first year. Did you th- the next year you're like, Oh, we didn't make it, that sucks and, and then you get to nine years and you're like, Wow. Uh, you did, it, at what point did, did you feel that um making the playoffs was a big deal? Was it when you got back there the second time, then after like a ten year yeah, for 10 years. I think, I mean, after that first year and then the second year I started and uh, we were so close. I mean, every year that I was there, obviously not my fourth year when I got injured, but year two and three, we were like, I mean, it came down to it. We we're like seven and six at times, seven and seven and 
you need two games to win to win out to get to the playoffs. And you're like, man, we're almost there. We're almost there. And then you lose them. And you just think back and like, well, what could I have done differently? And I think it's always the, what a, you know, what it could have should have. But at the same time, you just look at yourself and, you know, kind of realize, okay, well, I could have been better in this place or, you know, we could have had help here, but uh, it's tough. And uh, you definitely can't take anything for granted. And uh, you just got to keep, you know, putting your best foot forward each time and uh, play your best football at, at at all costs. Now, I know we have, Justin and I specifically, and other people have mentioned they, you know, we want to talk to you about now post-Super Bowl, but actually I want to rewind closer to a year and talk about two things um, that, one, we talked about last year because it had only been announced like a week before we did our sit-down show, um, but another one that I only found out during this uh, Super Bowl season about three weeks ago, which I thought was really cool and interesting, I thought it would be fun to uh, ask you a few questions about, and that was uh, what you did with your uh, fellow quarterbacks for National Police Week last May. Uh, I, I found this, you know, the uh, the uh, hashtag Chad Henney on Twitter uh, <laughs> produced this for me leading up to Super Bowl week just to see, you know, if people were tagging you in photos or video like Breland was doing. And I saw this and I was like, oh, this is an older story, but it's pretty cool. So um, the Chiefs community caring team, um, you and the quarterbacks went to um, it was the Kansas City Police Department, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, regional police department there. Um, and they, um, you kind of went on like a, a tour and a demonstration. Uh, what, what was it like? Uh, what, what things did you do? Um, what did you learn? I mean, uh, we try to do uh, community service every year. The team uh, allows us to be a part of, and each group, uh, position group, gets to kind of go out and uh, support the community. And obviously, we got to support the police department uh, this year. We went to their training uh, facility out in Kansas City, and uh, I mean, it was unbelievable. We first started off uh, good car, bad car, and uh, we were taught how to kind of like bump a car and make them spin out uh, pretty much to deteriorate the car so they're out of, uh, they can't, you know, move forward anymore. And uh, they asked us at the beginning, you know, you have the opportunity to do good guy, bad guy. Who do you want to go first? And, uh, <laughs> Obviously, I was the good guy, and uh, really? the other guys were the bad guys. And uh, so we were trailing, and they said uh, they're on the you know microphone, and they're saying, you know, we're at forty miles an hour. Go ahead, and you can now hit it. And the bad guys going forty miles an hour. We pull up. We're probably about like forty five, forty six. And kind of just pull up the side of the bad car, and literally just give them a little tap on the side. And then they spin out, and you keep going, and then you obviously make the. Uh, the collect there the collect the bad guy but the bad guy was unbelievable i mean you're thinking 40 miles an hour this car's gonna flip i'm in this car there's probably a lot of liability here a lot of insurance (laughs) going on that we did not sign off on but uh that's why they're trained the way they are and uh it was unbelievable i mean thinking at 40 miles an hour and you spin it out probably six or seven times of 360s off the side of the road rubber's flying uh unbelievable experience and then we got to do like a swat uh kind of breach where we got to, you know, look into a, a house of, you know, a bad guy being in there and uh, kind of go in there. They had a flashbang go off, which was unbelievable because you don't realize how loud that is and how bright it can be. 
So uh, that was pretty cool to experience that and uh, just see how they worked as a team in that situation. Uh, you can kind of look at it in our situation as a football team compared to the SWAT team, and that was a cool aspect of it too. But it's cool to see these guys. I mean, they're fans of ours, and obviously uh, we appreciate what they do to keep us safe each and every day, and uh, uh, it was a cool community experience. Yeah, I mean, it was once – once I caught wind of it, you know, searching online and I, I looked it up, I saw that the chiefs.com had a whole bunch of pictures and, and people had posted them on Twitter as well. It was a really cool experience. Uh, it looked like, and uh, it sounds crazy. It yeah. sounds absolutely yeah. crazy. Um, but yeah, I saw that. I was like, I definitely want to ask him about that. Cause that was a, a super uh, unique experience for you and your fellow quarterbacks to have with um, the community. And then the the second one was the Fightin's Hometown Hero event that we we already kind of talked about because we mentioned um, that Josh Lonneberger, uh, the Tape Crusader on Instagram, he's a, a local artist. He did a duct tape portrait for you. He gave it to you at this event. When we had you on the Joe Mays and J-Raff show a year ago, it had just been announced that this was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you might have talked about it then, but... How did this come about? Like, what was the, was this a thing that the Fightins reached out to you? You know, how how did uh, you end up having a bobblehead, which is sitting right here um, behind me? Um, how did uh, that end up that event happening? Well, my mom works uh, helps out there in the summer times uh, at the Reading Phillies, and um, so they kind of reached out to her and then see if I was uh, able to be a part of it, and they're trying to kind of get a lot of the hometown guys or anybody that made it in the professional career or entrepreneur or whatever had success to come back and kind of get back to the community. And uh, I was definitely up for it. Um, I thought they had a great plan. I thought it would be a cool way for me to connect with, uh, you know, the community here. And also, I think a lot of greater Philadelphia came out as well. There was a Michigan alumni group that came out. Uh, so I got to kind of witness a lot of people that uh, have sw- supported me throughout the years and kind of give them, uh, you know, praise for uh, supporting me along the way as well. So it was a phenomenal event. They did a wonderful job, uh, got to shake a lot of people's hands, sign autographs. Um, and it was a great night for my family as well. They got to, you know, experience the pool area in the back there, you know, swim in the pool. Um, my kids got to watch the game eat all the ice cream, all the candy, play the games. We saw, yeah. you know, Joe and his family there as well playing the games in the back. But um, it, w- it was a great event. They did a wonderful job, and I really appreciate what uh, they uh, honored me that night. Yeah, if you're watching, I have uh, one picture is of Chad holding the artwork. So if you're interested to see what we're talking about, you might be able to see that there. There's also a whole um, photo album on the, the Wilson Bulldogs football page from that event. Um, you know, Chad mentioned he got to shake a lot of hands and sign a lot of autographs. Um, and that was true. I was there taking pictures of you for about an hour. Um, a whole variety of people um, getting in line to uh, to meet you. And like, that you, like you said, you had a whole... You know, you had Wilson people there, you had Michigan people there, an entire, you know, alumni event uh, come out and uh, it, w- it was a lot of fun and um, super unique. You know, I, I know I know uh, you probably have bobbleheads made of you before, but have one in your high school uniform. That That's a little bit different. So when that was announced, I was like, that's an event I definitely want to get to. Um, so, Justin, do you have anything to ask Chad about the uh, the uh, community events last year? No, I just, uh, I, th- I think it's cool that, that he's able to kind of do that. Um, you know, you mentioned before it was cool with your kids to be able to be down at the Super Bowl now at this age. It's, 
it's probably cool for them to get to experience that a little bit. Um, you know, seeing that, man, these people are coming to get autographs from my dad and everything. That, that's got to be pretty cool for them. So, so the, the last part, the last few questions that Justin and I have for you or that came from those that are hopefully watching um, out there on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever I shove this uh, show every so often um, is the future now. Um, you're, I guess, will be in a, a little less than a month, three weeks, technically a free agent. You had a two-year contract with the Chiefs. Um, guess you couldn't say it could that two-year contract could end any better for you than uh, winning the Super Bowl. But uh, what does the future of your career have in store? Are you looking to continue to play in the NFL? Um, could that be with the Chiefs? You know, where are you at right now with your future? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, the ending it with the two years <laughs> with the Super Bowl, it really looks back that I made a great decision two years ago uh, to go out there. And uh, really not sure what's going to happen. I mean, I know I want to play another two at least two years uh, here in the upcoming years. So, um, you know, I'd love to be back with the Chiefs, but there's a lot of moving parts that have to happen. I mean, a lot of guys are going to get paid. Uh, obviously, Patrick's one of them. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with Chris Jones, one of our defensive linemen. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts, and free agency is always tough. But uh, I had a great exit uh, meeting with them, all the coaches, uh, very positive. Uh, which made me feel very comfortable of possibly coming back. But like I said, you never know. And, uh, you know, my agent's kind of going to the combine this week to talk to a lot of the teams and kind of get a feel of what they need and kind of what I'm looking for as well. And um, we'll see where it goes from there. Um, is Do you let your agent handle most of that stuff or do you tell him, you know, hey, these teams are interesting to me or these teams I'm not that interested in. Is it come down to, um, you know, geography, location? Is it, are you, you know, looking for um, a roster that's ready to win again? Um, is it playing for a certain coach? Like, do you guide him at all? Or you kind of just let him go out there and come back to you? I mean, there's different nuances. I mean, I sent him a kind of list of the teams that I would like to for him to reach out to. And he had a list as well. But he always tells me, he's like, I'm not leaving any uh, stone unturned. You know, it's, I'm going to reach out. Kansas City actually two years ago was, uh, wasn't even on the radar. And my agent uh, reached out to Brett Veach and he was looking for somebody. And my agent mentioned me and he's like, oh, I didn't even think about that. And, you know, as they talked, Veach was obviously very yeah. pleased that I came there because of my background and, I guess my work ethic and then just helping Patrick and they wanted a stable person that was married and kind of had their life in order uh, rather than a young guy. So, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I can't speak for him, but I, I think it worked out pretty well uh, being with Patrick and I enjoyed working with them as well, but um, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's always exciting uh, meet new people, uh, but you definitely want to be for me, at least being on a winning team, be on a playoff team. Uh, I don't think I want to go backwards, but mm. like I said before, there's teams that come out of nowhere each year and uh, you really jump up and make the playoffs and make a big spark. But um, I just want to be around people that love football, love the game, love to teach and uh, somewhere I can continue my learning experience and help somebody out. And if I have the opportunity to play, uh, be in a great situation to play. 
So keeping your options open, you know, will, you know, wanting to keep play. That's the biggest thing is, you know, I think some, some people, not that I've ever experienced this, but you hear guys talking about it when they're getting to the, you know, 10, 12 years in the league. And do I want to put my body through this again? Do I want to take all the time, you know, to get ready? Cause as much as you know, you, you hear fans talk about the off season, we know that that's not exactly uh, true for the players and coaches involved around the league that you're always training or studying in some way do I want to put myself through that again? But you're like, I'm, I'm ready. I want to do, you know, at least a year, two more years yeah. um, on the NFL circuit. So. Yeah. I think I made my goal was to hit 12 in the beginning, uh, 12 years. And obviously I just finished up 12, but I think the ankle has a lot to do with it. And, um, you know, not being able to be there for the whole season. Uh, I feel like uh, I would miss it too much. And uh, I just feel like I'd just, not be ready to go yet. Uh, I just love playing. I love being around the the players, the coaches, and uh, I enjoy my family being around it too. So, Justin, you have anything to ask Chad about his uh, his future? No, I, I mean I think that's that's pretty cool. Like like you said, it's kind of a you know lots of, lots of possibilities at this point. But obviously, we're pulling for you to land in a good spot, wherever that may be. Yeah, a lot of people interested to find out, you know, with a huge, huge uh, free agency coming up, you know, and Justin mentioned it before we started about the CBA. You guys are just going to talk about that this week. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, we're not at the emergency stage like, you know, about a decade ago or so. The first couple of years you were in the league where, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people were sweating, um, you know, coaches, players, fans, owners, everyone was just like, let's get this done. Um, get Maybe striking a deal early this time, not have to worry about it. And you should probably would never have to worry about it again then. So um, does any of that, the the CBA stuff, have any impact on, on you when you're thinking about the, the future? Is that something that you consider or talk about with your family or with your agent? Yeah, I mean, obviously each year, I mean, with TV contracts, as we see, money keeps going up. Mm-hmm. So salaries are only going to keep up going up. But I think as a player, I mean, you just want to, you know, be awarded what you deserve. And, uh, you know, we're close. I think with the new proposal, it's close with the owners. We're trying to push for 50-50 or, you know, a little bit more uh, of the revenue to, you know, give to the players. But at the same time, I mean, you know, everybody wants to see more games, 17 games, but nobody realizes the bodies and the injuries and all that goes with it. But at the same time, I mean, who knows? I mean, if guys can get a little bit more money in their pocket. I mean, some guys will be happy. Other guys, those old guys will be like, no way. You know, we just want to stay safe and healthy and just get out of this and move on to the playoffs and cut as much out as we can. Um, but I, I really like how they're going this way uh, this time around because when I was first getting into it in 2010, really didn't understand it. Um, but the talks are definitely a lot earlier than expected. and They seem a little bit more respectful and yes. amicable this time yeah. too. Yeah. And I, I think both sides really, I mean, you literally buy an NFL team nowadays. I mean, you're an instant billionaire. Right. Like it's a win investment it's a windfall. so yeah so they're not gonna lose money no matter what uh so you know it's just it's weird i mean it's crazy to talk about it we're just in it to play football but uh there's definitely a big business that revolves around it and uh it's definitely a part of it but you know we just kind of kind of give our ideas and try to get the best uh thing that we feel is best for us and uh you know try to get it done as soon as possible so we can go out and play football is 
a 17 game season a big sticking part for you personally like is that something you're like definitely yes definitely no or is it kind of like well it depends on the way money works out or the or you know if they increase in roster sizes like there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes with it um is it a yes no or kind of well let's see what else unfolds with it yeah i mean i think everybody wants to cut out the preseason and uh not cut it out completely but reduce you it. know reduce it uh i think training camp time you know we can spend in training camp nobody likes training camp uh but in our case in kansas city that really like builds us coach reed loves training camp get away go to st joseph uh, university in missouri and uh it's a bonding experience i mean we go through some hard times and i think that's one of those things that you kind of miss out on a lot of people don't realize all that work and all that hard uh you know time going out there on the practice field really ignites you and kind of prepares you throughout the season um but a lot of the younger guys are just let me do what's less what's the you know quickest way i can get out there get my job done and then be done uh they're not old school um but you know there's different personalities but uh you know in the end we're all out there to play football and try to win games uh my last question and then i'll I'll get justin's last take and then we'll wrap things up um is how about the rumors about the expanded playoffs what do you think about that as a player do you like um maybe having an extra opportunity that teams in the past wouldn't have had is sneaking in as a, a seventh team in one of the conferences, or do you think it waters down the regular season? What's your opinion on that? Yeah. I mean, I don't think one team's really going to water it down. I mean, there's always teams out there. I think I saw Pittsburgh would have made like four or five, four more times or something. four more times, which is crazy. I mean, that they've been that close and that good for that long. And some of those teams deserve it. I mean, you come down to the haywire, there's a lot of things that have to happen in the last week of the game, uh, season for you to get into the playoffs. But then again, there's another round of playoffs, and that's more for player injury mm-hmm. and to make it through. Yeah. Um, so that's where we stand as players. It's it's really the injury factor. Like, we all would love to keep playing and play as long as we can, but it's the injury factor, and you never know what's going to happen. It's 100% chance that you're going to get injured in this game because it's a contact sport so who knows but you know whatever happens happens and i'll still be here trying to (laughs) play as long as i can all right justin do you have any final questions for chad yeah just one more and this one's kind of uh changed the topic but um i saw that you got to stop by uh the wilson basketball practice the other day um and i know a bunch of the guys are really excited about that what what kind of message were you able to uh, share with them um, as they kind of enter this second season uh, part of their year? I think uh, Coach Coldren reached out to me um, a couple months ago and just asked if I would like to talk to him just of what it means to be on a winning team and kind of get to the highest point. And obviously, since we won the Super Bowl, you know they have an opportunity to do something special and uh, possibly get that state title or first district title ever, I think, in Wilson basketball history. Um, to go out in that standpoint and what it takes. So I kind of just explained to them, you know, all the hard work, all the fundamentals, all the preparation that it does take uh, to be a champion and uh, just the bonding factor, you know, relying on your teammates, being accountable, um, trying to give them different nuances that I've learned throughout the years. Uh, uh, just give them, you know, a lot of a lot of the guys were asking, you know, what it was like uh, in the playoffs, being down at one point. I don't know if Wilson they have one loss this year. Um, not sure if they really have been down, other than that 
point in this season. So they were asking the right questions because some point in this playoffs, they might be down and they might be down big. And how do you overcome that? And I just related back to the leadership needs to pull together. You play one possession at a time and you just try to get on a roll. You try to get the rhythm going and uh, try to sustain that way. But um, a lot of it is uh, very similar to what we do uh, on the football field in other sports. So it's it's a team sport. And, you know, it's not one player that's going to make it. Other t- players are going to have to step up. You know, Stevie Mitchell obviously is a phenomenal player, but there's other players out there that uh, need to be accountable and uh, take charge as well because you're going to see it going down the, uh, the run. He's going to get double teamed. And Tyreek Hill was double teamed most of the year for the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, then it's the other players, you know, Travis Kelsey, what's he going to do? Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins. You know, you see Sammy Watkins make that great Ridiculous. fade catch, yeah. right? Uh, going down to put it, set us up for the, you know, pretty much the winning touchdown to put us ahead to win the game. And uh, you never know when you're going to be that player. And uh, you just have to stay ready. You have to prepare like you're a starter if you're on the bench. And when your number is called, uh, you know, take advantage of it and uh, help your team out, teammate uh, out as much as possible. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Justin, I think we're going to let you go here and I'm going to wrap it up with my uh, bulldog hour ending spiel. Um, All right. Sounds good. So uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us via the telephone. Sorry. You couldn't be here in person. That's all right. Thanks for uh, working it out so I can still be on. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Justin. Yep. You got it. All right. So Chad, thank you so much for uh, joining me and Justin again. Um, You know, this is the third time you've done us a huge favor, but um, you know, I I don't want to say we wouldn't do it if people didn't tune in, but um, we probably still would bother you to come on the show, even if you know people uh, don't have any more questions. But every time I mention to someone that, hey, we might have chat on again, there's immediately, oh, can you ask him this? So uh, we appreciate you coming on, and especially this time getting on the uh, the Maine Wilson show to kick off uh, our sixth season here on uh, the Bulldog Hour. So I appreciate it, Justin, and I appreciate it very, very much. Sure, thank you. Like I said before, hopefully we can make it a yearly thing, and uh enjoy it that way i always enjoy uh talking to you guys if there's a way to top it next year i'd be very interesting <laughs> and know how because uh, i can't say that you know a year ago we were just talking you know yeah you know, excited and happy with the way that the season went making the afc championship game twice in a row you know being disappointed with how it ended but um you know i guess there was always that possibility of hey we could be sitting here next year with a super bowl <laughs> champion and you know it Knowing how good the Chiefs were and and, and the leadership that you talked to his bass and knowing um, how uh, talented Andy Reid is and the staff that he's put around him, it should have been like a more realistic thing. But we know him and you know as a player that things can change wildly and really quickly. Um, but it's great to see that the uh, that you got to the to the top. So it's uh, awesome. And, uh, you know, we would love absolutely love to have you on again about a year from now. So um, but real quickly to wrap up here. Um, do want to thank uh, the Bulldog Hour show sponsors, um, May Sandwich Shop, our, our two anonymous donors, Topher's 10th and Elm Cafe, and Andy Hearn. You can follow Andy right now during the basketball playoffs. He was at Wilson on Friday evening. He'll be there again Tuesday night as the Wilson Bulldogs basketball team hosts Cedar Crest in the District 3 semifinals. That game's at 7 o'clock from the wilson gymnasium and should they win that game and hopefully they do they'll be playing in the district championship uh saturday at 12 30 in hershey at the giant center so um would definitely love to be able to get to that 
um, next weekend. Um, how can you help the show? Uh, sponsorship and advertising possibilities, always accepting in-kind donations and Justin's favorite thing, spreading the word, like and share. And be sure to visit the website, bulldoghour.com, not only for the show, but everything related to Wilson football. And I've got a huge archive being constructed on there, season-by-season season information, uh, pictures, videos, you name it, it's up there. Uh, so definitely check that out. Again, one last time, the next live show will be on Sunday, April 26th at 8.30 here, as usual, talking all things Wilson football as we get started and we head towards the 2020 season. But I think that is everything. So once again, thanks to Justin for calling in and huge thanks to Chad for joining me here in studio to talk about uh, his Super Bowl run with the Kansas City Chiefs. And we wish him nothing but the best as he continues his career in the NFL. So for Justin Raffoff and the Wilson Football Program, I'm Joe Mays. Until next time, go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.